Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsboro, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do something different, man. Um, <laughs> you got to make it sound cool. At least. <laughs> That's my radio voice. Uh, and we're not on the radio. Um, hey, in this week's episode, we're going to do worship part two. That's French for That's two. Part two for all the English people out there. <laughs> the, <Duh. laughs> the, the, the English people out there. I'm trying to do my English accent. That's that, good. You know, we have this helpful? game. Oh, you want to know what's fun? <laughs> okay, we'll put this resource up on, the, uh, on, on our, our page. There's this game. I don't even know if I remember what it's called, but it'll be on the resource page. It's called Accents. And what you do is you get your friends, and you're all sitting around, and you, you take a card, uh, everyone takes a card, and they have to say something in a certain accent. And so maybe it's Italian, maybe it's like a clown, maybe uh, maybe it's an animal, maybe it's like a famous person. It is hilarious. Like, <laughs> and, and just so you know, I have no accents hardly. <laughs> my my Australian is like English, and my English is they're all terrible. Um, I can't do accents, but I tell you what, you want to do a game where you bring people into your house and make everyone uncomfortable and yet really comfortable <laughs> with each other, that's an awesome game. I have a really good Scottish accent. Yeah, okay, let's hear it. McBride! McBride! <laughs> that's about all I can say, yeah. but yeah. All right. You hey. watch Braveheart much? <sighs> Freedom! <laughs> yes, I do. Um, okay, back to our topic. Sorry, we wait, wasted. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? What, what's the favorite game you like? Oh gosh. Well, you, Twister. Well, Monopoly? I like I like Settlers of Catan because I absolutely destroy everybody. Wow. I do. You know, I don't even know if I've ever played that. Wait, no, I did. I played that game once, and I beat you. Actually, remember no, no, Man Camp last? No, no, I beat you. No. The one time Dang I it. played, I actually won that game. I totally <laughs> forgot, man. So I'm you, so glad you brought you did, that up. It's mostly because I was talking a bunch of trash, and so, people all ganged like up on me. Like you mostly win, except mostly. when you, you play me. Mostly. That's that's. Cool. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me of that today. No, we have a, a different family game that we just bought over Christmas. It's called Poop the Potato. <laughs> I'm not going to go into what the game is about, but you can look it up. Poop the potato. Okay. That, <laughs> I'm so curious and you, yet so disturbed you at this moment. You went there. You went there. Sorry no, for no, wasting. Nobody went there. <laughs> you went there. Dear friends, we are sorry we wasted a whole two minutes of your but life. But don't worry. We'll put poop the potato on our resource oh gosh. so you can get by that that game. That's how it goes down. And when down. you do it, please think about Bobby. That go, that's how it goes down in the Gaither house. Hey, well, in this week's episode, we are going to continue with worship week two, worship part two. Um, dose. Dose. I don't know any other I don't. I, vi. I, it's vi. vi. I don't think vi is two. It, I, I think it is. Is it? Yeah. I got no idea. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. All right. So to, to recap, though, we did worship in the last podcast and we actually kind of went a little different than where we thought we were going to go, but I liked it. What we showed and what we discussed was that we were creating the image of God uh, to worship God. We were to uh, image him. We were to reflect him. And as we do that, we, we experience great joy, meaning, and purpose in our lives. But because of sin, we became a distorted image, and we now worship idols, and we don't worship God as he created us to. The gospel comes that he would save us, transform us, that we would worship God. And we pointed out primarily it is through our knowledge of God in the word of God by the power of the spirit that we um, grow in what it is to be worshipers of God. Our affections are stirred. Our knowledge is stirred all through the word of God. It just became really clear just in that conversation that we cannot image forth that which we do not behold. Good point. Like yeah. we, we can't image forth God. We can't image forth uh, the God who, in, in whose image we were created unless we are beholding him. That's good. And, and we, 
you, you did a really good job. You pointed out that the only way we actually behold God is through the grace of God by his spirit in his word and what we call regeneration, where he awakens us yeah. that we would see God in the face of Jesus Christ yeah. and behold him and glorify him. And, but, but what that did is that, ra- that rises so many more questions and questions like, well, what about when I don't desire God? Yeah. What do I do then? You talk about these affections that we're supposed to have that come through this knowledge of God. But I've talked to a lot of people. I know you've talked to a lot of people. I've been there where what do you do when, when you don't desire God? What do you do when you're struggling with those affections? And so that's kind of what we want to tackle a little bit today. And Bobby, do you want to do you want to begin that? Like what do we do? Like, where do we start when we begin struggling with our affections? We know, okay, I'm supposed to worship God. I, I, yeah. I want to worship God. And yet at the same time, I'm struggling and wanting to spend time in the word. I'm struggling to want to gather with other believers. The fruit of the spirit is becoming like a foreign concept. Like just where do we go? Yeah. How, what, what do we do there? Give some wisdom. Yeah. Well, and, and I, John Piper in his book, Desiring God, is, has been so key for me in developing my understanding of, of both salvation, uh, um, life in God, but also worship. In fact, his, his, his chapter, the chapter three on worship, um, lines out, and I, don't, and I don't think this is the be-all, end-all uh, for defining what worship is, but man, it, it's pretty good. Uh, he speaks to three different stages of worship. And 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 he he, he does it um, where the most ideal stage of worship is this experience that's all encompassing, uh, where we are in euphoric exaltation of God, and we both know and feel uh, 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 the fullness of His presence. Uh, the fullness of, of the truth of who he is, or well, at least as full as we possibly can as still finite human beings. Um, and, and, and that is like the, that's the, the stage, that's the mountaintop, right? That's where everybody wants to be. Everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. Um, and, some, and, and what's sad is I think we've, at least in the church that I grew up in, eh, I got to be careful with that. I, that. Maybe that's not true. My understanding growing up was that was worship. Worship was on the mountaintop. Um, there was no other place where worship, true worship, really existed, um, and so he he lists that as the idyllic, the ideal state or f- place, you know, of of worship. But then he also uh, speaks of a prior stage uh, that we often taste. And now I'll just read what he wrote, um, page ninety six, Desiring God. Uh, in a prior stage uh, that we often taste, we do not feel fullness, but rather a longing and desire. It's that place where, man, I desire to be on that mountaintop. Um, having tasted the feast before, we recall the goodness of the Lord, but it seems far off. We preach to our souls not to be downcast because we are sure that we shall again praise the Lord, and that's Psalm 42. Uh, in fact, that, if there be one place, there, there's a few different places I would send people to if they're feeling dry, if they're feeling downcast, if they're feeling beaten up. Psalm 42 is a fantastic psalm. Uh, to go to, to remind your soul that you shall yet praise him. Uh, Psalm 119 is also the other place uh, that I encourage people to go when they're feeling dry. Uh, and, and, and then, John, and, is he, go ahead. Well, can you, or maybe just pause for a moment. For one, I liked, I liked how you talked about the euphoric state that we're to be in, but Euphoric normally means like like this this great happiness yeah. or, or something. Yeah. But what you said, so it's not just feelings because you you combined knowledge and feelings yes, together. Absolutely. And as we go through here, our affections are to be there. Um, they're not always there, but they they're never to be off by themselves. And in fact, what I thought was good in that desiring God uh, chapter in chapter three of desiring God under worship, uh, Piper also uses that example of like a train yep. where fact, faith, feeling, fact, faith, feeling, and 
how does it go again? I, all I remember is the caboose is the affections. Mm -hmm. the, the engine is faith. The, the something else, it's like page 88 or something. I was looking at it earlier. Um, it, how does he say it? Sorry, we, we actually have the yeah. book open in front of us. So, so here's... Um, uh, and we should have been more prepared. That's should, on you, Bobby. You, aha! The locomotive is fact. That's right, yeah. The coal car is faith. So the, and the, the caboose, the is, caboose feeling. is feeling. And, and what I liked about that is he said, you don't have the caboose pulling the train. And when you have that, he actually says, uh, most people don't, uh, what does he say? However, it would be futile to attempt to pull the train by the caboose. Yeah. But what are the feelings? The train of Christian living can, but what are the feelings? The train of Christian living can run without. Do feelings refer merely to physical experience like sweaty palms, knocking knees, racing heart, trembling lips, tearful eyes? If so, the slogan is clear and accurate. But most people don't think of feelings this way. Feelings include things like gratitude, hope, joy, contentment, peacefulness, desire, mm -hmm. compassion. Mm -hmm. And it goes forth. But his point is, is like the caboose cannot pull the train because it would be fickle. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how the fact and knowledge are, are what pull or what in front, but the caboose... Yeah is to be there, but if you're listening, you know that that's not always the case. In fact, Piper wrote another book, <clears throat> which we'll put on the resource page, uh, and it's When I Don't Desire God. Yeah. And that is an incredible book because it answers the question, all right, I, I know I'm a Christian, um, and, and I know I'm called to desire God, I'm called to, to want to be a living sacrifice, to behold his glory, to live for him, to have joy, to have peace, to, to be zealous for him, and yet for some reason I feel dry, I feel barren within my soul. Um, and that whole book is talked about, so what do you do? And yeah, so yeah. I would encourage you, if you're in a state of just dryness, that would be an amazing place uh, to begin. Yeah, well, and, and this, that was the, this third stage of worship he was talking about, the lowest stage, and I'll just okay. read it. The lowest stage of worship where all genuine worship starts, and we have to recognize that. This is where all genuine worship starts, and where it often returns for a dark season is the barrenness of the soul that scarcely, scarcely feels any longing, and yet is still granted the grace of repentant sorrow for having so little love. <laughs> like, this is repentance. This is repentance for... Not having a full, affectionate response to the truth of who God is. And you know what's amazing? <clears throat> is that that's included in the Bible. Yeah. Like, yeah. the Bible doesn't just present, oh, man, once you get saved by God's grace, you're just on fire all the time. Yeah. I think we think that because we look at Paul and we go, oh, man, he got, you know, was it 1 Corinthians 11 where it talks about all the ways he got beaten? Yeah. And, and that he still boasts in Christ. Or we look in the Old Testament and we see all these great men of faith and we're like, oh, man, how can I ever be that? But yet the Bible talks about that we often struggle yeah. in our feelings. And in fact, the book of Psalms, covers that a lot. I mean, sometimes the psalmist is crying out, where are you, God? Yeah. Wake up, God. Arise, oh God. He's feeling alone. He's feeling lost. Yeah. He's struggling in his faith at that moment. Well, even Paul says, I mean, we, I, was, I was sorrowful to the point of death. Isn't that what he says? Yeah, yeah 1 Corinthians, I, 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 Corinthians yeah, 4. I, I was, we were so beat down. We were so distraught. We were so... I mean, so, so even Paul, who we th think of as some impervious, you know, um, apostle who, yeah. who, who has been beaten and shipwrecked, and um, even he had moments where his soul was downcast um, and, and wasn't that, that faith was still present, but there wasn't, there wasn't that joy that peace, that pay, that com, um, contentment, um, the other things that we feel uh, in, in when we're experiencing the full presence and full knowledge of God. So, so worship, worship begins with fact, which what I would say knowledge of who God is. In fact, that is what Jesus was saying to the woman at the well. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. You know, and what's amazing about that whole Samaritan woman is it's not that he is going to get water without a bucket <laughs> but because he's at the well and you know yeah. it's interesting she's the one with the bucket and he's like do you want me to get you some water <laughs> but it's that his water satisfies yeah and, and it, you're right it's this right knowing of god 
that, that does bring about these affections. And that, that's all by the work of the Spirit through the grace of God and the power of God. Um, and it satisfies us. When we come into the Word of God, our hearts are satisfied. And, and you know, to, to just talk personally about me, you know, when, when I was growing more and more in my understanding of God, I definitely got onto that, that uh, I don't know what you would call it, that bent, that, that idea that when I come and I gather with the church, it's all about knowledge. It's all about, hey, let's just get to the sermon. I don't even care so much about the music. It's not that I was against music. I just didn't care about it so much. I didn't see it as necessary. And, and so I just would, would jump into the Word of God, and I was all about expanding my knowledge and my understanding of God. And, and feelings were hard for me. They didn't come natural. Like, I could talk about how God good is, or how, yeah, how, that too. how good God is, <laughs> <laughs> however you speak. But I could do it very stoically, almost, in a sense. And feelings were not the easiest for me. But I tell you what. When you come into the Word, you see all these commands about, like in the Psalms or in other parts, like in Philippians where it says that we're to be full of joy, or, or Psalm 42 where it says that we're to have hope, or Colossians 3 where it says we're to have peace, or Romans 12, which I have this one up. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. And so it's all in Scripture. We have these commands for our affections. And I have to say, affections were hard for me. And the thing that helped me the most, and so this would be uh, how I would encourage people uh, probably who struggle with affections. And if you're listening to this and, and you're struggling right now with affections or if you're a guy like me and, and, and you're, you're all about knowledge and you're thinking you're okay and, and affections are kind of a, a foreign thing to you, the Psalms. The Psalms were probably what awakened my soul more than anything. And that's hard because I, I don't read poetry well. Psalms are not easy for me. It takes me a lot of work in the Psalms, but the more I work in them, the more I, I would say I, I toil through them even, it has been good. I have seen men and you know the writers of the Psalm as they praise God, as they yearn for God, as they talk about their desire for God, as they talk about their hopelessness without God. And what I try to do is I try to read the Psalm enough that I capture the tone of the Psalm and then I read it that way. I try to figure, is this the emotion, how he's writing it? And I read it that way. And I tell you what, that has been so good for my heart as I begin to understand the Psalms. And that has renewed in me, uh, or really given me, uh, a desire for greater affection. And now I see that when I gather on like a Sunday morning and we're singing songs, that's not just uh, appetizers till I get to the meal, which is the word. Yeah. But songs are are the overflow of praise in my heart. They're to be the longing of my heart. They're to be the, the heart's cry. They're an essential part of what being a Christian is. And the only way I really got to that was through God's word and especially working in the Psalms. And it didn't come easy. It, it, it's so great that you and I are so different. <laughs> um, because I, I grew up and I, I could be led into worship by the kick drum. I mean, literally, you know, tears that, streaming down yeah. your face. <laughs> the guy hits the cymbals a couple the, times. You're like, ah! <laughs> the music is awesome. Yes, this is worship. And and now I I have a completely different understanding of what drives worship. Yeah, you know. So so for me, I mean, I when I, I, whether it was my heart or mind or whatever, however my ears were opened to exposit when they were exp open to expository preaching, I think that's when I be, really began to understand. How to worship which, in response? Which to, I think preaching is what we're talking about next. Preaching is what we're talking about next. Um, but but that was how and when my heart began to learn how to respond to who God is. That that worship became a response to who He is, and not not a feeling I tried to conjure up. Um, you know, which that's that's just cool how you share that. Like you, feelings were very easy for. For me, growing in that knowledge and understanding was very easy. And, and God has made us all different. We're all, yeah. we're all different personalities, different characters, yeah. and, and they're both good. And, and I need people like you 
pressing on on me who yep. you move easier towards feelings and you need people like me who, who press more in, in other ways. And that's just the body of Christ. And yep. I, just as you're sharing that, I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible how that yeah. works. And, and it, it is, it, what's, it, we'll talk about this at another podcast because <laughs> we're going to talk about masculinity, ding, ding, ding. biblical masculinity soon too. And, and here's the thing is no, no one orientation is more manly than another. It isn't. And, and, and you have to recognize that the manliest of men in the Bible, well, Jesus for one, but then David. I would say David was one of the manliest of men. David, right? Saul slew his thousands, David his ten thousands. I mean, he was a mighty warrior, right? Totally. The dude played a harp. <laughs> he was a musician. He you know, wrote psalms. And, and there's no way you say the word harp that it comes across my <laughs> Not in today's society, right? Like, there's no it, harps, like, on the side of gym buildings, you know, 24-hour fitness, hang your harp up over here as it, you go pump some weight. Yeah, I, it's... Uh, it, yeah, I don't know where to go with that. But uh, <laughs> David did it, man. He David, rocked it. He rocked the harp, and, and he rocked the sword, and he was a man after God's own heart. Like, he was, he was pursuant of, good, yeah. of the heart of God. So for me now, um, we start, and maybe we can get into what worship looks like uh, in the church itself. We start every Sunday with a proclamation of who God is through his word. What does that look like? It looks like scripture. It mostly no, like so. I, I come in Sunday morning. You know, so what, what time you start? Nine. When, when we 10? start, we start at ten, but we're moving to ten thirty next week. Okay, so or two weeks. Everyone uh, sleeping in a little bit. Yeah, you know, we're kind of preparing. Oh, is it because you're tired. We're pre- you're preparing for that f- that spring forward. You know. Um, <laughs> okay. So wait, seriously? No, no, we're we're moving. Okay. <laughs> we're we are moving to ten thirty, but for other reasons. All right. Uh, we start every Sunday with a scripture that points to. The character, nature, beauty, glory, knowledge of who God is, and then we respond in song. So, like the very first thing, like that's that's going to happen on good, a Sunday morning. It's a is, good morning. Welcome to Hope Fellowship. We're glad you're here. Stand with us as we read this psalm, or there's some kind of proclamation of the character, the nature of God, and that is our starting point for worship. It's not a song. Okay, I really like that. But it's I feel th- like if I do it now, my church is going to know it's because I copied you. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like it. Well, no, that's awesome. Okay, no, I like that. I like that. Okay, go ahead. Well, it, and, and here's why. What is worship? What are we doing in worship? We're, we're praising God. We're ascribing to God that which is his. Who, and who initiates that? God. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's take a moment. Let's unpack Sunday morning. What, what does Sunday morning look like? I think, <clears throat> I think there's a confusion that exists within churches. Uh, okay, we, we go on Sunday, and worship starts when the music guy gets up and, and does his music. And when that's done, then, we, then worship time is over. And then we go into non-worship types. Just stuff. to be clear, you're you're stating general perceptions of people for what worship is and what it isn't. Yeah, right? general perception is music is worship. Yep. Everything else is after worship. Yep. Like you know, they'll say, "Stand as we worship God," but not sit as we worship God and behold Him in His Word. Like you don't ever hear something like that. Um, but let's talk through because you and I have talked wait, a little wait, bit. Wait, wait, you do. Certain places. What do you mean? Because there are churches who do say, like we say, let's continue in worship as we. No, go no, I, I get that, uh, and we we actually stand at the reading of, of yes. God's word every single week as, as a means of reminding us of the inerrancy, the authority of this yeah. word, of where it has come from. That is God's gift to us for for correcting, for training. And it is an act of worship as we read it to him. Which, by the or way, we, we, we stole that from you when you came and preached here. So, so wait, we can do so that? So we're one for one. We're right, one for one. Right. So. Um, but, but the general perception, and I think of, of churchgoers, would be music is worship. And they might say reading of the word and preaching and other stuff is worship. But I don't think they functionally actually th- really think that or live that out. And so... 
on a Sunday morning, let's talk. You and I, I think, would say everything that happens on a Sunday morning is really done as an act of worship. Yeah, and and we'll get there later, but it doesn't stop there. Totally, totally. No, we'll, we'll isolate this part to Sunday morning. Yeah, so Sunday morning, everything we do... As we gather, because we're, gathered, we're gathering for an intended purpose, right? Right. What is our intended purpose? To worship God and build up the body. Okay, how do we do that? How does worship start? Who initiates worship? Right? I mean, the, I, God. Yeah. Right? Okay. So it, Just it, so you know, Bobby's like looking at me. And I'm thinking he's got like a trick question. <laughs> and I'm like, man, do, do, am I going to say the wrong thing here? Well, well <laughs> fact feeling, yeah. fact, faith, feeling, right? So, I mean, if you, if, if you look at that model, if that really does hold up, we are presenting truths about who God is. Right. And we are believing. We're having faith. And we do that because God has saved us because by God, his grace. That's God has right. made himself known. God has yes. revealed himself to he, us. He has done a work in our heart. He's opened our eyes. The scales have fallen off. We now see the beauty of who God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Right. And so as we, we gather, for, for one, okay, let's, let's talk about this. We got to. It sh- Sunday should be the highlight of our week. Oh, man, it should be. It is. But it should right? be. It should be. So, so I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand when Christians don't value gathering together with the body. When ah, uh, I don't really feel like going to church today. I'm just going to sleep in. Ah, uh, I got other things that are more important. You know what? We have this family tradition, uh, so which means we're going to stay home from church today. And Bobby's not uh, saying that you have to have perfect church attendance. No, and there's no, no reasons. I, but honestly, for a lot, and we talked about this at the last episode a little bit, the idols that come in, they really want to draw us away from the worship of God. And we need to see that the gathering of the church is, is an important part of what it is to be the bride of Christ as we worship God. And that is where we, we practice baptism. That is where we do uh, communion. communion together. There is to be a preaching of the yeah. word in which we grow corporately together, a singing to singing as we sing to God. We're, we're singing and, and instructing one another and praising God together. You know, I think what, what I find strange, and this didn't happen to me, but I've heard so many stories, is even when people are in the car or getting ready on a Sunday morning, there are fights that take place in many people's families where it is it is a battle zone, and then all yeah. of a sudden they enter into you know the sanctuary doors, all smiles, and the fruit of the spirit has come upon them. <laughs> they shine forth, you know, and they're like, "Oh, we love God now." And right before that, they were like, "Shut up, kid, or we're turning this car around." And like, so as we worship on on Sunday is not just the gathering time, but it's in the preparation of the gathering time. As we wake up in that morning, as we are getting our kids ready, as we're shepherding our wives, everything should be done, and like every day, but everything should be done as a preparation of gathering with the church for the building up of the body to the very glory of God. And and you know, if you're one of those families and, and you fight and you find that that has become just a regular part of your Sunday routine, the getting out the door and the getting upset and the yelling of the voice and everyone sits on pins and needles in the car. I, I want to encourage you to, to really begin to wrestle with that and yeah. unpack what is happening in your yeah. heart? What yeah. desires do you have? There's idols in there that yeah. need to be repented of. Yeah, I, I, that's where I was going to go is repent. Repentance is sweet. Yeah. When, when you have the conviction of being forgiven and the hope of change. Yeah. Um, and, and it's only repentance, it's only true repentance when those are present. Because if, if you're just feeling bad about the consequence of your sin, that's not repentance. If you're just feeling bad because it, you don't look good, <laughs> that's, totally. that's not repentance. That's not what it is. It's, it's about offending. It's, it, God. Yes, it's it's not even. Yeah. It's even. What did David say in Psalm fifty-one? Against you and only you have I sinned. Yeah. What? The man just for the fact that you killed Uriah, killed and Uriah, took his wife. And took his wife. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but, but ultimately, but he sees sin, and and this is where I think you know we need to talk about this. Sin is a, is first and five for ah, first, first and, and foremost, foremost an offense to God, an offense yeah. against the character, the nature, the beauty of God, and completely. But let's come back. All right, so we we did. I don't think that was a soapbox, like the the getting people. Nah. But but that's it's something a, that hey, we need to we need to. We need to recognize that's a reality, yeah. and that should not be a reality that is occurring regularly as we're getting ready to gather with the church. But I would say, on a Sunday morning, as, as we come, um, I, I would encourage you, come early for fellowship. Stay late yeah. for fellowship. Yeah. Fellowship is an amazing act of worship. What we're doing is we have opportunities to encourage the body. We have in- opportunities to engage new people that we don't know, yeah. to share the love of Christ, to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit to. If you show up 10 minutes late to service and leave one minute after service or before service, you're missing out on incredible yeah. points of worship where you get to build up other believers or to be built up by other believers. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell in unity together. I mean, that's when uh, uh, that's scripture, by the way. I was um, like, man, that that's like awesome. Where, where'd that come from? <laughs> I'm going to look it up because I don't have it readily in front of me. Um, but, but it is good. I like how scripture just flows from you, though. Are you making fun of me now? No, you're like a saint. Oh, gosh. Talk um, to my wife. So... So fellowship is a great act of worship. Music, we've already a little bit covered that, but that's, that's really, that, that's the heart, that's the cry of our heart is when we're singing songs. Um, and if it's not the cry of the heart, it, it ought to lead us to repentance. Yes. Um, and music really covers a whole gamut of emotions within us about our, our desire to praise God, uh, what he has done for us. It's a thankfulness to God. So music is an incredible act of worship. And if you're one of those guys um, like, like I was, and I would say I was kind of a jerk. Can I say it that way? Bobby's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, if you think that, that music doesn't matter, if you're too tough for music, then I, I refer you back to what Bobby said earlier. David carried a harp and a sword. Um, that was, was what... A man of God truly looks like, and and songs are an amazing expression. And what our 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 children need to see, our wives need to see, what other men need to see is men standing singing loudly in church. And I mean loudly. Yeah. And I have a terrible voice, like Bobby. Yes. You, you, know, <laughs> you totally just agreed on that. It's true. Like <clears throat> I I can't sing. I can't. It's. I, there's nothing else to say. It's terrible. I'm probably tone deaf. I have so many issues when it comes to singing. Your wife makes up for you, man. And I'm incredibly self-conscious. Do you know that? I'm incredibly mm. self-conscious yeah. about my voice. And I, I actually, my wife leads a lot of the music in our church. I, I get on to her about, hey, that music needs to be loud enough that I don't hear myself sing. Yeah. And that's a reality. Like, if you're leading music and everyone can hear themselves sing... Even other people who sing much better, it, there is a self-conscious part about it, but turn it up so at least I don't hear myself easily, <laughs> but we need, to, we need to shout out yeah. praises to God and let our, our children yeah. see it, let other people see it, and, and worship yeah. is not about sounding good. No. I no. mean, it's great when we do, but yep. it's really about our heart's cry to God. Yep. Psalm 133, by the way. That's Here it comes, sing. guys. How good and pleasant it is. Yeah, I'll read it in the extra spiritual version, ESV. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in extra unity. Spiritual. And, and, and here's the other thing. I is, always thought that was the elect, saintly version. <laughs> well, that's another good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we also have to remember that worship is a rightful response to that which it's worshiping, to the subject and to God, the object that's of that that is worshiping. Everything we have, it, it is, it is, and and so to withhold, to withhold our praise, yeah, is is an act of pride, um, and and it's it's not giving that which that to God that which He's due. 
right? That's good. And that's good. And, and that's a that's a hard. I mean, that's easy for me to say because I'm a I'm a naturally expressive person. I'm a but but I, I would say this, and, and I'll, I'll to just counter that as, as a guy who I've already said like emotions are harder for me. Where I'm at now. I don't want to be anywhere else. Yeah. Well, except even closer to God and with more affection. But I, yeah. where I'm at now in understanding affections and desires to praise God and to, to give Him glory and to worship Him and ascribe to Him all that He had, all that He is, to to verbally, to physically, to visibly demonstrate um, praise to God. I love that. Um, and so some people yeah. it comes easier to like Bobby, some people you work on it more like, like I find that I've had to, but I will say this when you get there or as you grow in that, it, it is like yeah. we, we call this podcast satisfied. You're experiencing the satisfaction. Yeah. You want it more yeah. and more yeah. and more. And as you grow in it, you're finding there's greater joy. There's greater hope. There's yes. greater truth in who God is. So David said, uh, right to, to Micah, his wife, and she kind of, Dissed him for dancing in his was undergarments. Micah? Milka? Micah? I thought it was Micah. That's probably Micah. Um, you have the Bible. <laughs> Bible-like flows from you. <laughs> oh, gosh. In 2 Samuel 6, uh, verse 22, he said, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I will become even and more. And that means it's okay to sing badly right there. I, it does. Humiliate, yeah. It, I mean, it really it does. Now, it, it's not a call for... Well, be careful here. Like there are, there are those who worship God. I would say, who very euphorically, and I would say more of a negative sense. Dis- they're just dancing, dancing, sense. dancing, and and I and I want to I don't want to counter. Like it's good to dance. It's, there's nothing yeah. wrong. And if you're in a church where you guys are dancing, my only thing that I have to say is let the actions of your body reflect the tone of the song. Yeah. If it's a contemplative song and you're headbanging up on stage, <laughs> doing 360s, jumping up and down, <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, it's just, that's confusing to people in the congregation. Yeah. And so, but okay, I don't want to waste all our, or I don't want to spend all of our time on music. Yeah. So fellowship is huge. Yep. Uh, music is huge. Yep. Of course, the preaching of the word is massive because what we've already said is knowledge is, I mean, foundational to worship. We can only worship that which we know. To worship that which we do not know is static, frenzied worship, baseless worship. Well, in in the past, uh, and we're getting there at Hope, in the past, I've structured worship services around the preaching of the word where our response in worship was equal on the front end and on the back end of the sermon. So we would have three songs, 15 minutes or so on the front end. We'd have three songs, 15 minutes or so of worship on the back end. And do you, do you make sure that your songs reflect the, the meaning of the message that day? Like there's in somewhat alignment so, with... With whatever the text is, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it has to be. If you if you preach on grace, I'm not going to sing five songs about grace or make sure um, every song has the word grace in it, no, which I think uh, people struggle with. Like, yeah. and that and that's really hard. Like when you're preaching on hell, or like this next week, I'm preaching on yeah. Revelation 19, where you know there's lake of fire, the beast. I mean, I'm not looking for songs with lake of fire and beast in it, although. How awesome <laughs> would that be? I mean, could you imagine? Like, well, I, I, I'm not going to say no. It I, can't, I can't. I can't. But uh, it, it, yeah. Or when Axe talks about the the moon turning to blood, and like now that we might need some heavy metal worship for. Or Ananias and Sapphira. That would be a very. Oh man. That would be okay. Maybe we do wicked. need to write some worship songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, but the worship should embody the response. Oh, that's good. I like that. So, so if if you're preaching, for example, on you're in Revelation, right? right? What are you preaching this upcoming Revelation week? nineteen, which where we see of, Jesus come as the great warrior, mm-hmm. and he will judge all those who have rebelled against him, uh, the beast, the false prophet, and all those with the mark of the beast. Okay. So, I mean, a, a great song would be. Um, uh, coming on the uh, he's coming on the clouds. I'm sorry, what was that? What, whatever song that was. Uh, um, 
uh, the lion and the lamb. The lion and the right? lamb. Right, which, which actually speaks to his coming. Well, and but and you, songs about his sovereignty. Songs about his sovereignty. Songs about uh, uh, his righteous judgments. Songs about his goodness. Songs about his mercy. His rule. That judgment yeah. has passed. That, that his judgment hasn't come upon us. So it doesn't have to mirror exactly what you're preaching. And that's good because be I think people get hung it. up on that, especially... Sometimes, like music guys, like, man, how how am I supposed to pick a song about this? Yes. And they're trying to find a song with a lake of fire in it, yeah. and that's really that's not. really small pickings. Yeah, and that's really yeah, and that's. That but I like that. Fit. What's the response? What's the response? So that if, we're to have to this text. If everything, if to me, worship is a cycle of revelation and response, right? Mm. God reveals Himself. Uh, he revealed himself through nature. He revealed himself um, specifically through Jesus the Son. He reveals himself through the Word. So that is our revelation. We have a revelation of who God is. Our worship is the response to his revelation. And in our worship, we even point to more revelation of who so, God is. Like, like, that's good. Worship or worship is about revelation and response. Mm-hmm. And it's a, and it is it's cyclical, and no, but like like just the simplicity that you've just articulated that like we need to write that down just like that that's just good, brief, succinct, like definition. Worship is about revelation. It's about the knowledge of God, and, and of course we I think we've tried to show that knowledge is not void of affections. It's yeah. that knowledge and affections of God that that lead to the right response of God. Yeah. And so, no, worship is about revelation and response. Man, that's, that's money. Like, I love that. Okay, so, so we've, talked, we've talked about fellowship. We've talked about music. We've talked about the preaching. And what about giving? Like, yeah. is that worship? Like, when yes. we actually, you know, yes. the, the, the basket comes by, we throw in yeah. uh, some money. <laughs> well, <laughs> I made that sound terrible. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? And I've been so blessed uh, at Hope. We, we planted... Uh, we became a church a year and a half ago okay. at Hope and, and a church with a small group of people. And I have not had to preach on giving at all. And God has just been so gracious that he's provided our needs, provided for our needs and provided through our body. And they've given in the overabundant, I mean, overabundantly, they really have, which has just been wonderful. Um, but we will teach on it soon. Not because... Church, not because there's a need or, or, you know, giving should never be a twisting of the arm. Well, I, I would say, but I, I would say this. If you're in a church that's not giving, you might not actually need them to preach on giving. What you need to do is, is probably preach on who God is. Because yeah. like we've said, yep. worship is about revelation and response. Yep. I'm only going to give to that which I deem that's great. worthy. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would say... We need to regularly preach on giving, not to manipulate the giving within our church, but because we know of the seductive nature of money within our culture, within our very hearts. And so I I think I think we need to make sure that that you're right. The giving is never a manipulative tool or, or the way we talk about it. But when we do come, that that writing of the check. Or that entering in on an app now. Apps are great to give on apps in churches. That's an act of worship right there. And, and just think about that. Whatever you're giving right now, that's an act of worship. Does that act of worship align with who you think God is? Or I know there's a lot of people as they first start coming to God, you know, they just start pulling out five bucks and they just start throwing it in. Or it's kind of a guilt thing. Oh, the offering is coming. Just grab whatever you have in your wallet, three bucks, five bucks, and you throw it in. But what I've noticed is as people begin to grow in their knowledge, they begin to plan their giving. They begin to budget their giving. And their, their giving affects their overall budget. Like if you can give to the church and it doesn't affect anything that you want to do, like any hobbies, any planning or anything, I would just say, are you giving the way God has called you to? And that's really just something to wrestle with. But our giving is an act of worship. It's a means of, of trusting in our God who has given to us. And as we give back to him, we're, we're saying, God, as we give you this money, we realize it came from you, and we know that you're going to continue to meet our needs. Yeah, I think um, 1 Corinthians 16 um, so let each 
one of us, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So there's this idea that I think is, is in Scripture that we are to really plan ahead. That really the worship of giving, it, it begins before you come to church on Sunday. It's, it's, man, I've decided, I've sought God, and I've decided that, man, this is what I want to worshipfully give to him. Um, and, and it is, it, it's, it's in part trusting and it's declaring that everything I have is a gift from God anyways. The reason why I have provision, the reason why I have a job, the reason why I have breath in my lungs and strength in my body to go work and provide for my family is because God gives it. Um, and then with David, we need to say, I will not give God that which costs me nothing. Mm. Like that, that's not worship. Yeah. Worship is a sacrifice. Worship is declaring you are worth more to me than this money that I money. have. Or finances. Or, or finances or, or anything. Or my time. Yeah. This is part of my praise. Part of my worship to God is giving that tithe check every month. Because, man, it's trust and faith. And, and as we do that, that demonstrates our satisfaction in God. Oh, yeah. And our longing to even be more and more satisfied yeah. in Christ. Um, and hopefully, we have, we have, what were you going to say? I was just saying, hopefully, it increases our desire to see his, his gospel go forth. And it increases our desire to give more to see that happen. And what I have found, just personally, is the more we give to God the more he provides also. Yeah. Now, not always maybe back financially, uh-huh. but he always meets our needs in, in yeah. crazy ways. So what we've shown or what we've talked about, on a Sunday morning, everything we do is worship. The giving, the, the fellowship, the music, the, pray, the, the, the word, the preaching of the word, the gathering ahead of time to meet with people. Like, don't show up right when church starts or five minutes starts. Show up early. Gather with people. Let what happens on a Sunday morning be a foretaste of what ought to be happening all throughout the week of the fellowship we have with believers, uh, the joy that we show. Stay late after church. In fact, I would say this. How long a church stays in fellowships after church is a direct correlation to their health in God as yeah. a corporate body. Yeah. If everyone in your church is gone five minutes after uh, church is over, there's not a lot of love for one another, which is showing yep. a symptom of a lack yeah. of love for God. It does. The more, man, I, I want to give a shout-out to Brian McSwan up in Bellingham. He's at Legacy Church. So I feel... Like before I went to his church, I was like, man, our church hangs around quite a while and fellowships and we have, we have a good rich time. Okay. Brian McSwan up at Legacy Church in Bellingham, Washington, that church knows fellowship, man. It's like 45 minutes after service has ended. I don't even know if anyone left. Like everyone is there. Everyone is hanging out. Everyone is talking. Yeah. I was blown away. And you know what? I was encouraged. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was incredible to see the, the love that they have for one another. And, and really, that's like a three-year-old church plant. Yeah. And it just demonstrates the hunger that that church has for God. I was blown away. I was extremely encouraged and challenged myself. Yeah. Well, and, and I, would, I would want to encourage, if you're committed to your church, if you love your church body, if you want to see your church body grow, show up early, stay late. Because what happens is when visitors come and they see that this church does come early, this church loves each other, this church wants to fellowship with each other, this church wants to get to know each other, that encourages them. That makes them feel welcomed. That makes them feel like this isn't, this isn't just another event. Yeah. This is, this is a, a gathering. This is a group of people. This is a, a, a people who love and care for each other. Uh, we recently had some visitors here um, and they came 20 minutes early thinking no one would be here. Like, man, do we, do we go in? They're the early people, you know? I love uh, early people. Yeah. You know, there's some people for uh, on time is 15 minutes early, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's them. That's beautiful. And, and when they came, we just happened to have a whole host of people here. That's incredible, yeah. And, and that, that encouraged them. That encouraged me. Yeah. Uh, because they were able to connect with, talk to, uh, communicate with, get to know some of the other people here in our 
in our in our church body. Um, and I think you're right. It just it speaks to the health of a church, and it is part of our worship. Well, and I would say it spurs us on. Yes. And I would say that showing up early, that staying late, well, the showing up early really prepares us even more for the worship of God that day. That staying late increases our joy and affections for people, which which helps in the uh, small groups or whatever else you do. That facilitates that. That that spurs those on um, and increases a church's desire to have more small groups. Um, so we, we've looked at worship when we don't desire God, how we can do that, uh, how, we, how we grow in our knowledge for God. And we've, we've talked about the fact that as a Christian, we're sometimes going to go in seasons where we're going to yeah. struggle more yeah. in our in our affections in other seasons, and, and that's just a reality, and that's one reason we need community, walking with each other. We've talked about how everything on a Sunday morning is really about worship, and really that's to kind of set uh, a precedence for how we live the rest of our week is yeah. everything is done in worship. Um, I think we've covered a lot. Yeah, I think Do we you want to... Uh, Why don't I give the bumper and let you pray us out? Ooh. I want to give the bumper. Are you ready? All right. Thank you for listening oh, to Satisfied in Christ. He does it again. <laughs> he can't do it without laughing, though. Hey, thanks for listening. Satisfied. We're, we're glad you're with us. Um, uh, you can find out more about our ministry and resources at www.satisfiedinchrist.life. L-I-F-E. He still spells it, people. Like he still spells it. And if you have any questions that you want to, uh, that you would like us to discuss, or if there's things that we talked about that you'd like to unpack more and more, uh, find then, find the find the link on our website. Yeah, you can send us uh, a question. We'd love to get back to you, and and we'd love to discuss any of those topics here on the podcast. If you'd like to. Um, Nope. I was going to say no more about Bobby. You can, no. you can email that in. No. I'll give you all the facts, no. No. all the pictures I have of him, and you guys can, I don't even know pray. where that's just, going. Just I'm just going to pray. Satisfiedinchrist.life. Here we go. Father, Father, we praise you. We praise you. We, we glorify you. We thank you for the sending of your son, Jesus Christ. That, Lord, in your Son, you have given us life. There is life in your Son. And, God, we thank you that you have sent him to die on a cross, that we who believe in him could be forgiven, that we could be adopted into your family, that we could be brought into your kingdom, and that we could be your sons and daughters, and that you would share all of your inheritance with us. God, we praise you and we thank you. And, Lord, I pray as we've talked about worship uh, continue to grow us in our understanding of worship, grow us in our knowledge of you, increase our affections for you. As we've talked about, uh, worship is about revelation response. God, continue to help us grow in the understanding of who you are, that we would live rightly for you on Sundays, on Mondays, on every day of the week, that our lives, every part of them, um, our time, um, our money, our hobbies, just everything we do would be done to praise you, to worship you, out of joy for what you have done for us. And Lord, for anyone who's listening, who's struggling in affections right now, Lord, I pray that they would come into your word, they'd come into the Psalms, they would find that the cry that they have in their heart is in the Psalms, and the solution is there in your word as you grow us in, in our understanding, as you work and stir in us the affections of our heart. Lord, I pray uh, that we uh, would all be more committed to our churches in the building up of the body, in the spurring one another on, in fellowship, in our love for one another. Uh, God, we thank you for what you have done for us in your son Jesus. Amen.